And I could very clearly feel like someone had sat down on the bed next to me. My one sister, Teresa, come literally floating down the stairs. She never touched those stairs coming down. One night we went downstairs, we heard a bang like something had fallen. Several doors in the kitchen cabinets were open, like wide open. But there's very distinct audio on one of the uh, videos that says, open the door. It's a very nasty, demonic sounding voice. So that is my ghost story. Hi, and welcome to Haunted AF, the podcast of real ghost stories told by real people. We are your hosts. I'm Julie Fisk. And I'm Rebecca Black. And welcome to our top 10 of 2020. What? Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! You know, more than anything, honestly, just welcome to the end of 2020. No kidding. Oh my gosh, that's so much more to celebrate. Seriously, <laughs> you should have heard Rebecca and I bitching before we started recording. <laughs> It's really like we're all running towards the finish line. Yes. And nobody yes. has the energy to even break no. the freaking ribbon. Like we're all just, I if I get in a wheelbarrow, will somebody just wheel me? Push in, me or in, just roll me the rest of the way because I done run out of steam. Seriously. <laughs> so whatever you did this year, you survived 2020. Good for yay, you. Yay. Yeah. Woo. And uh, for anybody who might just be tuning in because this is our best of 2020, our top 10 stories, just know all of our stories are are great. Every yeah. single episode is fantastic and there's always a really good like what the hell kind of story. At uh-huh. least at least one in every single episode. So let's go ahead and get started. This is number 10. I had kind of forgotten about this story. I was going back and listening to some old ones and then Maya's story came up. And one of the great things about Maya's story is that it's got a little bit of everything. I mean, this ghost was with her all over her house. <laughs> So Rebecca, I just got this email yesterday and I couldn't wait to share it with you. This comes from Maya. She's a police officer and a mom in California. And Maya had been sharing her house with her sister and all of her sister's kids. So they were both splitting up with their husbands at this point in time and decided they'd move into this house together. There was eight of them. And they loved, yeah, they loved this house. It was built in 1911. And one of the cool parts about it is that it had a garage that was originally a carriage house and it had a room on the second floor, but nobody would mess around with this room on the second floor because it freaked everybody out. So Maya says, this, like many hauntings, was slow to reveal itself. It started off with things that my sister and I could explain away. We constantly saw things out of the corner of our eyes. I mean, like once every five to 10 minutes. Frequently, you could hear low murmuring in the house and you couldn't tell where it was coming from. It sounded like a conversation, but you couldn't make out the words. So my room was next to the kitchen where there was a large butler's pantry and the walls were covered with cabinets. Many nights I was kept awake by the slamming of those cabinet doors, which always stopped when I went to investigate. I spent hours sitting on the floor of that pantry waiting for the doors to start slamming, but they wouldn't do it as long as I watched. I would go back to bed, put the pillow over my head, and know that the slamming would resume as soon as I dropped off to sleep, and there was nothing I could do about it. So Maya convinces herself it's no big deal because her kids are so happy in this place. They love the house, Mm -hmm. but more stuff keeps happening. She says, the kids had a TV slash VCR combo in their room, which started coming on by itself. I would hear it start up late at night, dash upstairs to see which naughty kiddo was out of bed, only to find them all sawing logs. Then one afternoon I was doing my makeup in the only bathroom and my three-year-old daughter was jibber-jabbering right outside the door like usual. Then I heard her go quiet and start whispering. It made the hair on my neck stand up. So I opened the bathroom door and I asked what she was doing. She was staring up at the ceiling and she said, I'm talking to my friend in the light. Oh my God. (laughs) So Maya and her sister start talking about all the weird stuff that's happening, but she's trying to play it off. She's worried her sister's going to move out. She won't be able to afford this place anymore. But of course, 
things got more intense. So one night, Maya can't sleep because the cabinets are banging again. So she gets up to use the bathroom. And she says, quote, my sister and husband were reconciling and he was spending a few nights a week at the house. So I made a point of closing the bathroom door securely. I had just closed this heavy, solid redwood door securely and pulled down my jammies when the door swung open and three of the medicine cabinets swung open in succession. There wasn't a breath of breeze in the room. I sat frozen on the toilet for about five seconds before I pulled up my pants, closed the mirrors, and the door. So she gets everything shut and she says, I tried to pull my pants down and once again, the door opens and one, two, three, the mirrors popped open in succession. I pulled up my pants and ran. Oh my gosh. Like one, I'm glad she was on the toilet, you know. Because yeah. <laughs> you know the inevitable is going to happen. So things continue to happen. Maya tries to take a shower one night, but she keeps hearing a man singing what sounds like old folk songs in her house. She grabs her service revolver and walks through the house, finds nothing. This happens twice. And she says she finally just gives up and starts singing in the shower to try to drown out this sound. Uh, She finally decides to have a family meeting and waits for her sister to come home. So they get the kids all situated in bed and they head out Uh to the porch to talk. That's when they notice that the light was on in the carriage house room, though nobody had been up there and nobody would go up there because they were all scared to death of that thing. So they move inside and Maya starts listing all the crazy things that have been going on. And as she's doing so, a glass pitcher that was on the shelf behind her goes flying off, goes right by her head and smashes on the ground in front of her. So her sister and her sister's husband are standing in front of her and they're both just like, so she's like, do you mind cleaning this up? Because she says, quote, I just wanted to go hide in my room. They agreed and I went up to my room, but as I flipped on my bedroom light, the whole glass light fixture exploded into a million pieces. Needless to say, I slept upstairs with the kids that night. Things never settled down completely, but we only stayed in the house for a few more months after that. In retrospect, I think the ghost who was there was not malicious. I feel like he was this really old-fashioned dude who didn't like me being in charge of the house and in such a masculine profession. The fact that he chose to make himself known to me when I was at my most vulnerable points, showering, going to the bathroom and sleeping, but he never hurt me made me think he was just trying to teach me a lesson or something. Maybe he was just an old misogynist. Coming in at number nine, I think we should give ourselves credit for this because apparently we've been giving people ghosts for quite some time now. Sorry about that. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) since like season one. And speaking of which, we gave you some pretty big ones this season two. Yeah, it's been crazy. But of course, there have been too many to choose from. So we had to go with Amy's story because she has a fantastic Australian accent. Hi, love your podcast. Uh, I have binged the first two seasons and I'm just entering season three. Um, I wasn't going to send you this, but all these little signs are telling me I have to. The first one was um, the theme of people thinking that they're now seeing ghosts and stuff because they're listening to your podcast, which, you know, is funny in itself. But (laughs) then um, you insisting that people with an accent need to send through their story. So I thought, oh, butter it, I'll do it. So here's my story. Our seven-year-old daughter gets up every night, pretty much every night, and walks through the house and comes into our room and gets into bed with us so the other night I was actually woken up by her footsteps walking through the house which has wooden floors and normally I don't wake up until she's standing there but the the footsteps woke me up and then I heard her say mum but it was more it was a bit softer and and less urgent than usual so I said told her to go well you would say the bathroom but 
in Australia we say toilet. So I told her to go to the toilet before she gets in bed with us. And then I sort of moved over to make room for her because she always jumps in the middle and then takes up the whole bed. Um, and then my husband and I get no sleep. But anyway, <laughs> you do what you do. So again, but it was sort of a lot softer than usual. And I said, just go to the toilet, Harriet, go to the toilet. So I rolled over and looked where she normally stands, like next to the bed or at the door. And again, and I said, go to the toilet, Harriet. And I opened my eyes and there was no one there. So then, of course, I had to laugh because I was thinking of your podcast and, you know, the ghost car that pulled up next to that man and all those sorts of things. So uh, there's my you're haunting me because I'm listening to your podcast story. Anyway, keep up the good work. So, yeah. At number eight, we have comedian Anthony Young. He didn't want to send audio at first because he's like, you're not going to be able to understand my accent. We're like, (laughs) whatever, send it anyway. And we fell so hard in love with Anthony Young. We've gotten multiple stories from him since but this is how he came into our lives at number eight hi girls it's uh, anthony i'm from newcastle england i just thought i'd give you a call you keep saying your well's running dry so i thought i'd tell you about my family home i moved into my my family home it's still my mom's home now when i was four i had the little bedroom at the back and my mom and dad says i just wouldn't sleep in it i kept just saying no no so my dad decorated the room he was a big believer and he said out loud this is my son's room now uh, if you're still here you need to leave him alone and get out and i did settle in the room after that I would sleep even now I'm uncomfortable in that room weird stuff did happen in the house like at one o'clock in the morning the old tv would come on the static screen the poltergeist screen as I call it and it would be maximum volume and I'd just get woken up to and my dad I remember the first time he seen it it was one of the first times I heard him swear he went oh and he turned it off and it kept happening so you unplugged it the ghost couldn't put the plug in to turn it back on and there was always noises and weird stuff happening but I remember I was about 14 and I was in the back bedroom on my computer and I had a big old hi-fi with the turntable on the top the double tape so you could tape off the radio and you had to press a big power button to get that to come on and uh, I was on the computer and it clicked on and the radio come on and I shat my pants I ran downstairs to me dad because he's the big alpha male and I went dad the radio's come on by itself he went it'll just be a power surge I went dad the big button clicked on and he just brushed it off he went it'll just be the ghost I went well that doesn't help dickhead so I ran all the way upstairs to my mum's room I woke my mum and said mum the hi-fi's come on and she said that'll just be your grandma Emma checking on you and as I said me prayers that night I went yeah grandma never do that again I must mention my grandma uh, my grandma Emma died a year before I was born and she always said to my mum when I have my grandson when I have my grandson and shortly after my grandma died my mum fell pregnant and she had me and we always believed that my grandma had put an order in at the baby office that was the running joke now I lost my dad five years ago and I was trying for a baby myself been trying about two years and uh, nothing happening and I says to my dad about a week before he died I went look at dad if there's anything there will you put an order in at the baby office he said yes a couple of months after my dad died we fell pregnant and my daughter was due on my dad's birthday how good's that and my daughter named her after my grandma she's called emma and uh she can definitely see ghosts she's four now and she was in her bedroom the other day and she was having an argument and i went in i says who are you arguing with she went that lady and she pointed at the bed i went oh christ i says what lady what you called and she looked at the spot in the bed and went, no, I am Emma. 
daddy that lady says she is Emma but I am Emma you shut up I am Emma and I thought brilliant the first time me grandma's come back to visit and me daughter's given her shit so we've got a handful of doppelganger stories but Joey's is really one that stood out to us maybe it's because his grandmother actually heard its voice but come on it is freaking chilling here is number seven hey ladies my name's Joey I'm a big fan of the show and this is my ghost story so we have a summer home in upstate New York that we bought from an Amish family in the early 70s. It already had a house on it, which was really creepy. When I was up there as a kid, there were really no other kids around. But I had my grandmother who would entertain me by playing cards with me. One morning, I was up early. She was always up early. And I guess I was rushing her along. But she had her regimen. She would get up, have her coffee, do her hair with the bobby pins and the blow dryer, put on makeup. All to go absolutely nowhere but the kitchen table to play cards with me. So one morning, I guess I'm rushing her along. And she kindly throws me out of her room and says, go downstairs, get things set up, and I'll be down to play. So... I go do that. About 10 minutes later, I'm in the kitchen and she walks in from the far end of the kitchen, which was strange because I was seated within sight of the only staircase leading down from her room and I didn't see her come down the stairs. But she comes in ready to go and at first she just stands there at the far end, right? She has this angry, disgusted look on her face. It's weird because 10 minutes ago, she was not this upset, just a little perturbed at best. She gets around to saying that I need to let her in, which didn't make sense to me because we were both already inside. Then I gather that she's speaking figuratively, like, because she's pointing to my chest, and I'm like, oh, you mean, like, let me into your heart? Which I was a little offended by because I'm like, Grandma, you're like my best friend up here. I love you. You're already in my heart. I don't need to let you in. You're there. And she says, no, I'm not. I just need you to let me in. Again, I get a little offended. I'm like, I don't know why we're having this existential conversation to begin with. I get weirded out. I'm pretty confused. And at this time, my mom was converting to being a born-again Christian. I'm like, is this like what mom's talking about? Let Jesus in? And she says, no, I need you to let me in. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go hang out with mom in the mobile because this is weird. You're being weird. I'm just going to go. And she says, no, you're not. And I say, well, yes, I am. And you really can't stop me. And she refutes that. Eventually, she gets around to saying, well, I'm not your grandma, which is also completely confusing to 11-year-old me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Then who are you? You're like my aunt or something? And she says, no, I'm someone else. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go talk to mom about this. I go to leave and she comes at me. And she pushes me and I fall back maybe like two feet into the chair that was already to my back. But before I know it, she's gone. She's not in front of me anymore. It's like two seconds later. But I turn around and I'm on the ground floor and she's directly outside the window to my back. And she's looking in and looking around all squirrely like. And she's like grinding her teeth. And I'm like, Grandma, what's wrong with you? What the hell just happened? I'm like, are you okay? And she walks out of my line of sight and I'm yelling her name. I'm like, Grandma. And 30 seconds later, my grandmother comes walking down the staircase, still with the bobby pins in her hair, and says, what's going on? I know that when it comes to demons, you have to willingly let them in to be possessed. So I guess it's a good thing that I was probably the densest attempted possession victim in the history of demonic possession. And after that day, I never saw the doppelganger again, at least that I'm aware of. Thanks, ladies. Love the show. Oh, Oh my God. At number six comes Cody. So he sent us this story. I know. I'm still not over Cody's story from his time when he was serving in Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan 
and I was in the Kunar province. So I'm uh, I'm in this bunker, if you will. We call them fighting holes. Some people call them foxholes. You know, whatever the case is, we call them fighting holes. And I hadn't slept good in about the last two or three days because we had taken some pretty you know pretty consistent mortar attacks. We had also taken some pretty regular uh, direct fire machine guns, snipers, things of that sort, which is not incredibly uncommon because that is, you know, what's widely known as one of the most dangerous areas on earth. So I'm in this, uh, this fighting hole and it's about three o'clock in the morning. And, uh, I, I have uh, another Marine with me and, uh, from our bunker, we had a, a pretty good vantage point down into the valley and there's some houses you know what we call hamlets and i'm looking down into the the valley and i, I see you know there's a, a river that runs through that valley we call it the pesh river when you protect an area enough and you stand guard over it you get a, a feeling for what things are there and what things are out of place and i i saw it, it looked like a huge white boulder that was down by the river and the first thing that i thought to myself was this is kind of strange because i don't ever remember seeing that before as i'm looking this boulder it seems like it begins to to take shape so what i do is i, I point my machine gun at it of course i didn't have the intention to fire i just wanted to see you know get a better look through my optic my acog and see you know what it was and uh this is where things start to get emotional it was a little girl she had long blonde hair and she was wearing a grayish dress you can't necessarily say that that is awkward because sometimes you'll see uh, the afghans out roaming around the village at night so in a lot of cases that's not considered incredibly weird but this little girl she just looked different and all of a sudden she turns and and looks at us now of course the the afghans knew that we had our observation post there we call it an op they knew that we had our op there so i'm thinking okay this little girl is just interested and she's looking at us and she starts walking and i would say at this point she's maybe 150 200 yards away and all of a sudden she stops and uh she's just standing there looking at us and as bad as this sounds i pointed my machine gun at her because just like when i initially saw her i wanted to get a better look through the optic on my my weapon and i look through and it, she just looks like she's sad i can see her face very distinctly at this point uh, i remember she had a just the most beautiful beautiful blue eyes uh, a pointed nose and she looked like she had like a little bit of dirt around you know like a like a dirty mouth or something like she'd eat a chocolate bar or something and uh she's just standing there looking at us and then all of a sudden she she like slowly lifts her hand up and she points to the mountainside to the right of us and a lot of times over there we rely on the villagers to give us information on the Taliban you know whether they're passing through there or not and I figured she's that's her way of she's pointing saying hey there are Taliban like over there and I look over at my friend and I ask him I said do you see this and he says you know what what the hell are you talking about and then I, I just chalked it up to okay maybe I'm just exhausted I look back through she's still standing there and then all of a sudden and I, I will never forget this Whew. her mouth drops 
If you've ever seen the movie Scream, you know the the mask. It, that to me no longer looked human. It's like she was pointing her head straight at me, and the bottom of her jaw was touching her chest, and she's making these motions with her hands like look over there look over there and instinctively I put my machine gun down and I grabbed my rifle and I looked at my friend and I said it just like this I said get ready to fight and he says what the hell are you talking about and I said dude get your weapon now and as soon as we turned to the right we started hearing voices and I could see a couple uh, a couple shadows there were three different shadows and they were moving towards us that was when it started the first guy starts shooting and my friend uh pretty much dropped him as soon as he he took the his first shot and another guy had an ak-47 and as he got ready to shoot i uh put put him on the ground if that actually was a ghost that ghost saved my life because had I not seen it, we would have been ambushed and it probably would have not survived that. So we've had a segment going on for quite some time now. It's our Dead Pet of the Week segment. Woo-hoo! Of course, we loved it from the beginning, right? But it's really kind of taken off this year. And then we've had so many great stories. Some of our personal favorites, the dog in the ashes. <gasps> oh my uh, gosh. Yes. And that, that one. Yes. And that's on TikTok. Go and look for that one. My personal favorite is the one with Mama Cat and Kitten. I think Angie yeah. was the one who she was like rescuing kitties and then this one kitten took her and showed her where its own body was. I know, oh my God. Uh, That was incredible. So yeah, y'all make sure you keep sending those Dead Pet of the Week stories. Give them the email address again real quick. That's hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. Again, hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. And one of the great things that happened with the Dead Pet of the Week over the past couple Mm -hmm. of seasons is people have started sending in their own theme songs. I simply can't get enough. So here's one of our favorites. This is from (laughs) Michael He's got a podcast called Popcorn Saga. It's just too cute. Why, oh why did my hamster die? Fell off his cage, got poked through the eye. But every night when I go to sleep, I can hear that hamster squeak. Dead pet of the week. Squeak, squeak. Dead pet of the week. Squeak, squeak. Holy AF. I love that one so I actually like have to sing along with it because I love it yes. so much. Okay, and this you other one. You can't not dance when you hear it. I know. Why? Yo, why? Okay, and this one comes <laughs> from Shoshana. There are friends to the end. And sometimes they come back again. So don't be scared. Don't you freak. It's just the dead pet of the week. Listen. Misery. I love it. And if you listen really carefully, you can hear misery throughout the song. It is so cute. And here we go. Everyone's personal favorite Dead Pet of the Week theme song. Dead Pet of the Week! No! We've actually gotten more requests for that one than any. Why? Why? I'm like never going to live this thing down. (laughs) I I think you're lying to me. I think you just like it a lot and you want to make fun of me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I swear, I swear people have actually requested this. Okay, number five are all of our Dead Pet of the Week stories. Number four, this is wild. So number four actually came to us at the very first episode of season three. Kelly was telling us about these footprints in mm-hmm. his house. And the thing is, it's like, we were like, oh yeah, well, that sounds kind of weird, whatever. Then he sent yeah. a video. We posted the video on TikTok. It's been viewed <laughs> like a jillion times. A jillion times. <laughs> and people are so shitty about that video because they're all like, Kelly's cheating on you, baby. And it's like, no. First of all, Kelly, no. Kelly's a dude. Kelly's the one who yep. sent us the video. He's not living with a girlfriend. Oh, and then they pick on his socks. I'm like, stop picking on Kelly. Doesn't he not even have like a roommate? He's the only one in this house, right? He's the only one in the house. So yes, go find the video. That's at hauntedaf.com on TikTok on our YouTube page. But here's the original story from Kelly. Hey girls, um, want to send y'all, I think my favorite haunting story that I like to tell people. And this story just creeps out my realtor, which makes it more entertaining. So about five years ago, I bought this house down in San Antonio and I actually slept in the middle bedroom rather than the master bedroom just because I felt like the master bedroom just didn't feel right sleeping in there for whatever weird feeling and reason. So my realtor's son came over a couple of weeks after me moving into the house to kind of check everything out, hang out, talk, make sure everything's all right at the house. And we started going over it, looking at the master bedroom. The master bedroom, there's nothing actually wrong with it, brand new carpeting updated bathroom really really nice but as we were talking we kind of look at the carpeting and we notice something odd along the walls of the bedroom you can see these large footprints embedded into the carpet and when you look at them it had to have been someone with a size 15 shoe creeping along the wall ninja style the more you kind of look at the footprints and the more you think of the implications the creepier it gets because the footprints only come one way out of the bathroom and into the living room along the walls now being the hermit that i am i don't really let a whole lot of people over and i know no one could have gotten into the house because i have cameras outside of the house i've got every sort of alarm system this this and that so there's just no way someone just could have come into my house and leave these prints without me knowing and we started looking at them it came out of the bathroom size 15 footprint creeping along the walls like a ninja and out into the living room it was just the weirdest thing and i took pictures of it at the time and said to people it's like i have no explanation for this and i'm i'm so upset that the photos are gone i don't know what happened to them but it was just the weirdest thing seeing these gigantic footprints embedded in my carpet coming out of a room i don't use in my own house okay this is one of our personal favorites we have not gotten any other stories like it so if you've got one you better send it to us on at afpodcast at gmail.com so this came from samantha and it's her glitch in the matrix story and it's coming in at number three i call this my glitch in the matrix story because i don't know how else to describe it several years ago my family and i moved to georgia and uh, my daughter started preschool at um, a church near our house and i would pick her up in the afternoons and of course traffic getting out of the preschool onto the main road would be a nightmare. So I learned pretty quickly to take an alternate route to and from school that kind of wove through some neighborhoods and got me home faster and I didn't have to sit at a bunch of red lights and stuff like that. So the uh, route took us through kind of a trailer park. So one afternoon I picked her up at school and I turned down the road that I always turn down. Nothing unusual. My four-year-old is in the back seat. We're driving down this road and the road 
the road that I turned down is kind of a long road and it curves around before it finally comes to a stop sign. And when I got to that stop sign, I would take a right. So I'm driving down this road and I get to the stop sign and there is no right hand turn. You can only turn left. And I stop for a minute and I'm looking around and I'm like, did I accidentally make a wrong turn somewhere? Did I turn off of this long main road that I turned down? What was going on? Normally there's a right hand turn, but where that turn would be, there are woods. (laughs) And the only way, like I said, the only way you can turn is turn left. So I sit there for a minute and I realize my daughter's in the back seat and something very strange is going on. So I decide to turn left and hope that I can turn around in somebody's driveway. So I make the left-hand turn and I drive a little ways up the road and it ends in a like a cul-de-sac. So I start to turn around in the cul-de-sac and as I'm turning around, this other car that's like probably an older model Honda or a Nissan and it's black has made that left-hand turn as well. And there's a man driving it. And as I'm passing him, our eyes kind of meet and it's very clear from the look in his eyes that he has no idea what is going on either. Like he finds this situation as strange as I do. So I go back to the stop sign. There are still woods. (laughs) And I turn back onto that main road that I had originally driven down. And I have two choices. I can go all the way back up to the top of this road and take the alternate route home that's got more traffic. Or... (laughs) I can go all the way back up this road and I can come back down and see if I've lost my ever-loving mind. So I start driving back up the road thinking, well, I'm going to see if I could have accidentally turned off this. Like if I just, you know how it is. Sometimes you're driving and you've driven a route so often you're kind of not paying attention to what you're doing. Maybe I turned off of the road somewhere. So I go all the way back up to the top of the road and I turn around and I drive all the way back down the road, back down to the stop sign And when I get there, lo and behold, my right-hand turn is there. Right where it was, but has always been, I don't know what happened. I take the right-hand turn. I continue on my way home. It's completely uneventful at that point. It was so weird. I drove that route almost daily for the next year and a half while my daughter was in preschool. And I never experienced it again every so often. Just to have curiosity, I'll go drive that route to see if it happens again, and it has never happened again. It was super weird. I tell my friends about it, and they think I've lost my mind, and I'm like, it was a glitch in the matrix. I don't know what happened to that poor guy that I passed who clearly thought that this situation was just as weird as I did. So that's my glitch in the matrix story. I love your podcast. So thankful for Ghost in the Burbs and Liz Sauer for turning me onto it. Have a great day day ladies so at number two we learned about brent underwood and his sarah gordo mining town back in season three Mm -hmm. his story was too amazing it's not even that his ghost stories from it he has ghost stories bigfoot stories all kinds everything from this one experience of living in this abandoned mining town it's not even so much that it's scary it's just incredible and by the way make sure you go and find brent underwood's youtube channel it's called ghost town living but this is our very first interview with Brent Underwood coming in at number two. How did you end up moving from Austin 
out to this old ghost town in California? I asked myself that same question over the last couple of months. But uh, I was in Austin, and I have a backpacker hostel there, kind of like a traveler spot, you know, in East mm-hmm. Austin. And it's in an old Victorian mansion that was built in 1891. So it's kind of this combination of history and hospitality, uh, allowing people to, you know, stay in these buildings that are part of the town's history, I think is just interesting. So I was looking for a little bit bigger project, I guess. And a friend of mine lives in LA and he saw that on his local blog that a ghost town was for sale. And he texted me at like two o'clock in the morning. Oh, this is a joke. You know, hey, check this out. I know you're looking for a bigger project, you know, LOL or whatever. And I woke up in the morning. I, I was obsessed. You know, I think from minute one, I started reading about Cerro Gordo, about the history here. And one thing led to another. And then we purchased it. And we closed on July 13th, which was Friday the 13th, which I thought was pretty, you know. Oh, my uh, God. Yep. For a, yeah, for a ghost town. Uh, for the past 21 years, there's been a caretaker that lives here named Robert. And Robert basically guards the town from looters or anybody else to come up here and try to take anything or sniff around. I mean, the town's pretty remote. I'm 30 miles from the closest town. Uh, we're up in the mountains, so it's at 8,500 feet. So the final pit to get here is a seven-mile dirt road. So if you get here, you're specifically coming from Cerro Gordo. You, you don't just happen to pass by this town. Right. Um, Robert's lived here for 20 years. And when COVID crisis hit, he wanted to go home to be with his wife. I packed up my truck in Austin, came out here, figured it would be a good time to socially distance, I guess, to the extreme. Nobody was going to be walking the streets out here. And so I expected to be here for a week or two, and that was March 18th, so just over two months ago. But, um, you know, I've been enjoying spending more time up here, and so I'm learning the ins and outs and the things that happen around here. (laughs) So that's what we want to know about, the things that are happening. Yeah, yeah, because something like that, I mean, it could go both ways. You could be stranded in your little ghost town in California and fall deeper in love with it, or you could slowly go insane and then, like, you know, <laughs> lose your mind and start hating the place. Like, so tell us about these weird happenings. I guess I'll start with when I bought Cerro Gordo, I was firmly in the non believer of ghost camp. I had heard the stories. I mean, Cerro Gordo is a place with a pretty rich history of ghost happenings, I guess. It was a town that back in the day, there's a murder a week here. There's a lot of history books say that the miners would line their bunk beds with sandbags to stop stray bullets. Wow. There's one or two infamous ghosts that haunted. I mean, there's a cemetery here. I'm looking at out the window. There's a cemetery with, you know, over 100 miners here, you know, and then not to mention the ones that are beneath the city. You know, there's 30 miles of mines and grim as it is, a number of miners never made it out of the mine. And so the setting is right for certain things to happen, but I, I was able to push all those out of my mind prior to buying it. I think the first kind of thing that started moving me along the scale was one night I was here and I like to watch the sunset up on this one peak that overlooks Death Valley. So I was walking by a building called the Bunkhouse. The Bunkhouse was built in 1900, so about 120 years ago. And it originally housed some of the transient miners that would come and work. And so as I was walking by, somebody definitely looked out the kitchen, uh, opened the curtain, closed the curtain, and the light was on in the kitchen. And, you know, I was able to rationalize, like, well, you forget to turn on the light, and there's a draft, and blah, blah, blah. And I went in, there was no draft. The light switch was flipped on. I flipped it off, and then I put a padlock on the door, a master lock that only I have the key to, and kind of went upon my way, tried to forget about it. And then the next night, as I went back up to see the sunset again, the light was on again in the building. And I know that I'm going on with the key and saw that the light switch was once again on. And it's just one of those moments where I guess it was like defining in my progression along the 
paranormal. Right. I told to a friend and he's like, oh, well, there's squatters. Like, there's no squatters up here. It's like, I'm 8,000 feet in elevation. I'm 30 miles from any town. Uh, there's no food or running water here. Nobody can just hang out here. Like, right. Um, and then maybe two days later, I live in a house called the Belshaw House. And it was originally built by this guy named Mortimer Belshaw. And he was the main man around town back in the day. He owned all the mines. He owned the general store. He owned the road. Right. But the room I live in is a large room with a big closet. Right outside of my room is a bookshelf. And one night, I woke up in the middle of the night because a book just fell off the shelf. And this is not a house that has drafts. Mice could not have moved this book that was that big. The scariest part about that is knowing that a book just fell off the shelf and there's no other human being that could have done it. And then second... The TV show Ghost Adventures had come up here maybe six months ago. Yeah. Um, they did a big investigation of the whole hound. They brought out their, I don't know, meters in the middle of the night or wherever they are. And they determined that the room that I live in, specifically the closet of the room that I live in, two of Belshaw's children died in a trunk in there in a game of hide and seek. And <gasps> haunt that room. And they talked to the town historians and they confirmed that, yes, Belshaw did have two children who died in the game of hide and seek in this specific room. And so when you get awoken at three o'clock in the morning for a book falling off the shelf, you suddenly remember all these things, which yeah. definitely right? doesn't help you sleep any better. Yeah. So has your groundskeeper, Robert, has he confirmed like any of these stories? Have they happened to him at all? Yeah. So when I told Robert about the Belsha house, he said that he was staying in there, this is about 15 years ago, when they were working on the building he lives in now, and that in the middle of the night, he got the wind knocked out of him, and it felt like somebody was jumping on his chest in the middle Ooh. of the night, living in the exact room that I was sitting in. So we also heard that you were having a Bigfoot experience. Yeah, that one is also on the scale of something that I never thought existed before, but... <laughs> That Valley National Park is only five miles from Cerro Gordo. So I decided one day that I was going to walk to Death Valley and back, 10-mile hike, which is a bit aggressive. But anyways, I was walking, and on the walk back, the sun was starting to set. And yeah, I came across these prints that I don't know what they were. I mean, the only thing it looked like to me was like a massive mammal human being prints. And so I like the website Reddit. So I went on Reddit, and like I put it on there. They have an animal tracking subreddit where people tell you what it is. And mm -hmm. the, the decision was split. A lot of people think Bigfoot, Yeti. There was some guy that pulled up tracks that they found in the 60s that were very close to these tracks. And then the other half seems to think that it was a giant bear whose foot partially melted. Neither of which I really want to run into on a hike by myself. Do you ever go yeah. down into the mines? Yeah, there's 30 miles of mines here. And they're kind of like waiting to be explored. As I've been here, I started going... You know, you go 100 feet back, and then you kind of really quickly run back out of the mine in case it collapses or something, yeah. um, which the thing that comforts me is that these mines have been standing for 150 years, so whether that's the day that they collapse isn't great odds, but yeah, over time, I've become more comfortable. I've been going deeper and deeper, and some of the mines go miles back. You know, like oh one of the God. mines goes two miles straight back. You find scraps of old clothes. I think I found some old scraps of minor scenes and shirts, and uh, I found a couple of dynamite boxes yesterday. There wasn't dynamite in them, but uh, oh, the good. boxes themselves. Oh, good. I was like, cool. oh my gosh. I was like, you're near live dynamite? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> and coming in, number one, I feel like we needed a drum roll. <laughs> there you go. There it is. <laughs> With our amazing sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> this one actually comes out of Texas. It's from Emily, and it is our haunted Elsa doll. I believe that came from season three. This is just the story that keeps on giving. Because yeah, it really it was, does. It was episode three of season three. If you have not listened to that one, go back because it was one of the best episodes of that whole season. But to it think truly is 
How many times have we talked to her since? Uh, three times total, I think, right? Okay, yeah, because I know you've been in touch with her. And even since our last interview, you yep. just got something from her that we just posted uh, on all of our social medias. She's saying every time her kids go out of town, that's when the ghosts seem to get a little more active. And apparently this time around, it was some dumb McDonald's toy that her husband threw in the back of the bedroom, but it keeps popping up into the hallway. Go and find that on all of our social medias. And here's our number one, our most recent interview with Emily. So we actually have one of our most favorite guests of all time because she has the best freaking Elsa haunted doll story. (laughs) Emily, welcome back. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much. Hi. We've heard there's more news now. You have a new Elsa doll. Well, my daughter was given another Elsa doll for her birthday, which was in November, but... (sighs) It's not the same. This isn't one of the singing ones. It's a quiet one. Thank goodness. And it's still in the bag that uh, it was in when she got it. <laughs> okay. First of all, who gave her this damn thing? Well, she was at her dad's. And he, uh, lived, okay. it, he lived about six hours away. Okay. And she had like a little uh, birthday gathering. And I don't know who gave it to her, honestly. I don't know if it was intentional, like if they know about this, or if it was just a gift for a little girl. I don't know. Okay. How old is your daughter? She's eight. Okay, so I guess that is still kind of like a doll playing age. It's yeah. Not that uncommon. How did she respond to it? She thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, no. No. I mean, she's still, she's been enjoying this whole thing. I okay, mean, that is like, really messed up. No. Like, don't miss your daughter, but that is kind of messed up. I think that's fantastic. At least she's cool and having fun with it because it would suck if she was like legit scared and not able to sleep. You know, her friends have like Elf on the Shelf right. and all these things. And so she's like, oh, yeah, like toys talk and move all the time. It's normal. She doesn't oh my think gosh. of this as being paranormal or weird at all. It's just like, oh, this is so exciting. I have a new friend who might talk to me or might do something or hide. Okay, so when she brought this thing home, did you just freak the hell out? Well, she actually FaceTimed me before she came home oh. and was like, look what I got. I was like, just leave it there. Yes, please leave it with your dad. <laughs> yeah. I, I and he, he texted me. He's like, nope, we're sending it to your place. No. <laughs> Nobody wants it. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Okay, so has anything happened with it? No, nothing has happened with it. Oh, <laughs> oh thank God. Yeah. You got to re gift that shit. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my God. Pass it on, please. Quick. I know. It does. <laughs> so funny. Has anything else happened at your house? How are things going? Things are fine. I mean, we've had a few strange things that have happened Ooh, this year. Do tell. Um, one of the most like creepiest things that's happened is when we're sleeping at night. Like, you know, those plastic water bottles, mm-hmm. those collect on my nightstand. <laughs> but um, at night, for some reason, like when we turn all the lights off and we go to sleep, I, it sounds like somebody's like walking around and like just squeezing them. Oh, ooh, ooh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crinkle sound. But probably like the most disturbing thing that's happened is when my kids were at their dad's, there seems to be like more stuff that happens when they're gone. Ooh. Um, I don't know why. But my son has a nightlight that plugs into his wall. And I don't think there's like a switch to turn it on and off. You just plug it in or you unplug it. Mm-hmm. And when he was at his dad's, I walked down the hallway and it was plugged in, which was really weird because I was home alone. And it was late at night. And I was like, why is that on? <laughs> and then my daughter, she had a, like a troll doll, mm. uh, <laughs> like a poppy that sings. It's like an Elsa doll, but it's this poppy version. And I went in her bedroom and it was talking in her closet. No! 
Why? And she was also out of town. And then another thing that happened, um, I went in her bedroom. Two of her pictures were knocked onto the floor, like from two different walls. And her garbage can was knocked over, which was really weird. Emily. I mean, people ask me like, oh, you know, this creepy doll you sent it away. How, how's everything going? I'm like, um, it's still going. It's in the doll. The doll might have left whatever it was behind. Do you ever sage or anything? You know, I haven't done that and I need to and people keep telling me to do it. And honestly, I don't even know how to do it and I don't even know where to begin. Well, you know what? And at this point, I don't feel like unsafe or even scared. It's just more of an annoyance. That's good because what we have to share with you might change your yeah, mind a little bit. Yeah, it might take, okay. Uh, so I'm glad that you brought up your son because last time that we talked to you, you had mentioned that he had a friend, an imaginary friend named Luca. Yes. So last time we had you on the podcast and you were telling us about this Luca situation uh-huh. and mm-hmm. someone reached out to us and said, hey, did you notice there is another voice on part of your interview with Emily? And we were like, no, because of course, you know, in editing and playing back and everything, yeah. we never noticed this. So we pulled it up and listened carefully. This little bit of audio, there's going to be a chunk from the interview and then there's the sound isolated. So listen carefully. Okay. First of all, you got to sage the f*** out of your house. Yeah, <laughs> Well, now, <laughs> but yes, dig around, see if you can. <laughs> okay, do you hear that little voice? Yeah, what is that? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We were hoping you could tell us. Here, I'll play it again. First of all, you got to sage the f*** out of your house. <laughs> yeah, I will. Now, <laughs> but yes, dig around, see if you can. <laughs> There's been lots of discussion about what that is saying. Duh. Yeah. And everybody seems to think it's saying not at night. So maybe that's why it likes the nightlight. Wait, don't sage at night. Don't do what at night? Well, we're talking about saging. So maybe don't sage at night. You want to hear it again? Uh, sure. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> I feel so bad now. This is a terrible idea. I know. We, we, were really, we were a little conflicted on even telling this to you, but they were like, well, she needs to. <laughs> You need to, and you hear, we're already telling you back however many months ago that you need to f***ing sage, Emily. Yeah, I know. Now I'm thinking maybe I do. Yeah, Uh. just just not at night. So hang on, here it is one more time. First of all, you got to sage the f*** out of your house. (laughs) I will. Now, but yes, dig around, see if you can. How weird. It sounds like a man. It does. Like an adult man. Because like it's really, I think, more centered around the kids. Yes. See, I disagree. I think it's centered around you. Because if it's happening when the kids are gone, and I mean, this has been going on through multiple homes, correct? Yeah. And if it's Mm -hmm. happening when the kids aren't there. When you did that interview with us, your kids were not around, were they? Probably not, because I tried... I mean, they're really distracting. So right. yeah. I tried to, <laughs> no, tried to get away. Like yeah. yeah, no, same like here. Like a normal mom, you tried to get away. Oh, yeah. I got like every single door in the house shut right now because my teenager is in the back of the house, you know, waiting to yeah. judge every word that I say. So, yeah, I think you should definitely sage. And, yeah. Um, Seriously, two-day Amazon, order a whole bunch. That's what I did last time, and it was worth every penny. Yeah, and we okay. can send you a link, a little tutorial on how to sage because it is actually very easy. Definitely send me the link. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry. I was so so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's good to know that there's someone listening in on 
and commenting with us right now, maybe. Emily, we do have to tell you thank you because your story has literally been like this story that just keeps on giving this whole yeah, year. Really All right. If this is the first time you're listening to Haunted AF, if you're loving the top 10 stories, Please go back, check out all the rest of our stuff. Everybody loves to start with the best of. We get it, but we have so many other great stories. You can check them all out, hauntedaf.com. Tell all your friends about it, especially your weird friends, because they're really going to get into this. Um, <laughs> and if you have a ghost story of your own, and that means ghost story, UFO story, Bigfoot story, glitch in the matrix story, like we were talking about earlier, please send them to us, hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. And you got to get them to us in time for season five. That's going to start on January. January 28th and so excited. We already have oh my gosh, really, around the corner. It is. And we've already got a really great interview lined up with Laura Krantz. She's Ooh, the yay. host of Wild Thing. It's one of our new favorite podcasts. And that gives you time to listen. Listen to season one is about mm-hmm. Bigfoot and season two is about UFOs. And they are both so great. So we're going to be talking to her. But again, in the meantime, you can send all of your stories to Haunted AF Podcast at gmail.com so we can get them on season five of Haunted AF. All right, guys, don't forget to subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your platform is that you love listening to. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, or you can chat with us directly on our brand new website, hauntedaf.com. Got to say thanks to Andrew Mamaliga for our theme song and to On Air Media for titles and technical support. And of course, we got to thank you, the listeners. Thanks for listening. By the way, Julie, if I die first, I'm coming back to haunt you. I'll come back to haunt you too, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> God. Are you okay? I felt that coming. I uh, could you? Ooh, hang on. I was like, oh. Here it comes, here it comes. Oh, okay. <laughs>